Welcome to the Chapel Bell Curve, a stats-based podcast about UGA football. I'm Justin. And I'm Nathan. And here we are, the weekend we've been waiting for. Hate Fortnite is almost over, folks. And Nathan is here to guide us through it. It's Florida weekend, folks, and this is the review. You know, I'm cognizant of the fact that apparently on some level, most college football rivalries are at their heart arbitrary. I mean, the fact that we play Florida is just kind of a trick of geography. And I guess, you know, kind of in the larger sense of the of the meaning of life or whatever, the fact that we care about football at all is itself a series of cultural evolutions that have led to this point in a very specific way that if you simulated the universe like a hundred or a thousand times would only happen in this one instant. You know, and so before I go into this rant, I definitely want to be aware of the fact that, you know, we live in trying times and it's not good to cast dispersions or hate at people unnecessarily. So I just want to, I want to preface everything that I've just, that I'm about to say by saying I, my hatred is for the Florida program and some very specific Florida fans. If you are just a person who happens to like Florida who are otherwise reasonable and don't have hate in your heart, I guess, you know, go and walk in peace. But if you're a Georgia fan, keep listening to this. If you're a Florida fan, I would. Let me just tell you what I feel about the University of Florida. It's really hard to express as a rational human being a feeling that is fundamentally irrational. So I'm gonna start with a quote from Harlan Ellison. Harlan Ellison was one of the seminal authors of the science fiction horror genre. Um, he was a really good, I would say late golden age era author who wrote some very interesting novels and actually was one of the first people to kind of play around with video games in the science fiction genre. But he wrote a very good short story slash novella called I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream that was then turned into one of the best point and click horror adventure stories in the world. Um, a, a video game in which, by the way, the only way that you can beat the game is by basically killing yourself and everyone else in it. So I Have No Mouth and I'm a Scream is about a homicidal computer that hates all humans. And this is the first line from it. And I think it kind of succinctly sums up what I think about the University of Florida's um, athletic department. Hate. And this is in all caps, by the way. Hate. Let me tell you how much I've come to hate you since I began to live. There are 387.44 million miles of printed circuits and water and wafer thin layers that fill my complex. If the word hate was engraved on each nano angstrom of these hundreds of millions of miles, it would not equal one one billionth of the hate I feel for humans at this micro instant for you. Hate, hate. The way I feel about Florida is seismic in nature. And every time I feel like I can pull myself out of it and I can rational myself out of it, I heard the guys that waited since last Saturday say something about the lizard brain and my lizard brain kicks back in and I just think about 2008, 2009, 2010, these games against Tim Tebow, when that self-righteous, Bible-thumping, mom-hugging, abortion-talking piece of crap gallivants around this freaking stadium, gator-chomping at the fans that he just beat by 35 points and that he had beat the last several times as though that were in his life's mission for Christ. Oh my God, I, I, I can't even, it, it actually, it, it, it drives me to like, it drives me to uh, inarticulateness. And it's like one of the few things that does is how much I hate Florida. I want deep in my heart, this is what I want. This is how we can settle this score, Florida. I want you to destroy every mention in every history book and on every page of the internet of anything that your football program has ever done. And I want you to bury under your football complex in your football stadium. And I want you to sow the fields with salt so that until from now, until the seventh angel pulls forth his bow and breaks the seventh seal and says, it is finished in that place called Armageddon, that there is no mention 
that in the vast attorneys of space, there is nothing but blackness for you, Florida, Florida Athletic Department. That's what I want. And then we'll be even. Once you have, once you have wiped from the face of the earth the name of your, like, heresy, then we can talk. And that's what I think about the University of Florida. That's about it. So to give you guys a few stats about this, uh, this fierce rivalry, one of my favorite stats about it, I like to talk about history every once in a while. And one of my favorite things about this rivalry specifically is that no one knows, and by no one I mean neither Georgia or Florida knows when this rivalry began. The very first game in Georgia history that is recorded between Florida and Georgia was in 1904, where uh, UGA beat Florida in Macon, Georgia, 52-0. But Florida does not acknowledge that this game happened. They think the very first game that the two teams played was in Jacksonville in 1915. And so if you look at the series, uh, it looks like Georgia wins no matter what. Georgia's leading the series. But according to Florida, they're winning uh, 49-43 and two draws. And then Georgia thinks that they're winning 50-43 and two draws. So that just kind of sums it up very nicely. Uh, Or you can say... Nathan's version sums it up very nicely. Either or. Uh, I don't think that Nathan's version really does anything to <laughs> sum up anything succinctly. No, not at all. It's it's lengthy and it's accurate and thorough. And rambling. And rambling, but there is definitely, as we know from our reviews and ratings, a type of Chapel Bell Curve fan that truly loves and enjoys your rants. And I think it might be all of them. There's a good chance. Hey, can I just, can I, can I have a corollary rant real quick? Of course. Okay, listen, and I saw this on Twitter today, and I can't remember who tweeted it. I actually want to give this person credit because I think it's a really good point. And I'm going to read their tweet verbatim here. A really good a really good follow, Chris Davis, um, said on Twitter, Dog Nation, we can hate the Gators without using gay as an insult. Thanks, and please re- resume your Florida Hate Week. Let me just be really clear. I know a lot of LGBT dogs who would not get caught, who would not be caught dead in orange and blue. Oh, yeah. So keep that out your mouth, right? <laughs> we can diss Florida. Florida... A Florida fan could be having relationships with anything, and I would hate them. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if I walk in and with, uh, if I walk in on a Florida fan with Scarlett Johansson, I'm going to be equally as disgusted as I walk in on a Florida fan with a couch. I don't care. I hate them. So keep that out of it. None of this gay tourist stuff. I don't care about that. Um, 1995, 1996 was the only years that Florida, the Florida Georgia game since the 1930s has been in, and it was been a home and home. Mm-hmm. And 1995 was the year that uh, Spurrier went to, um, it was the only time Spurrier played as a Florida player or as a Florida coach that he played in Sanford Stadium. And he beat us, what, 52 to something, 52 yeah. to 7. Um, and he said it was solely so he could hang half a hundred on them. Yep. And I just want to say, like, if we score less than 60, I'll be a little disappointed in our offensive effort on the day. This is one of the few teams where I'm just like, nope, leave in the first ring. Yep, I don't care if we have... I don't care about injuries. Like, just, uh, like, plow them under, sow the field with salt, burn down the stadium, and walk away from the rivalry for all I care. Ugh, God. I, I, anytime I do this, like, I get real, like, apocalyptic. It's all, like, it becomes, like, Ragnarok really fast. It really does. Yeah. But I like it. Though, hey, we are, so currently we're, we're in a, uh, the Gators are on a three-win streak. The last three years, they've won. The last one that we won against the Gators was in 2012. No, not the last one. But I remember the most notable was back in 2012 when we did beat um, a number two Gators. Yeah, it felt really good. I was at that game. Back when they had their last good quarterback. And by good, I mean, like, I'm, I'm quoting. But in this medium, you really can't tell. Oh, God. I, now I'm remembering, like, all of the... We had... Was that Will Greer? No, was, no, not even Will Greer. Jeff Driscoll was Jeff like, Driscoll, yeah. just all right. 
But then we had a a shining standard based on what they've been in the past four or five years. But then on the other side of that ball, playing against Jeff Driscoll was Jarvis Jones. Oh God, what a great game! Freaking that was your first crush. I feel (laughs) one one yeah really. Um, We we got we should we've been way too subjective, and I promise you we're about to get into numbers. Oh yeah, tell one more story. We just had to shake it all out. I was I was at the back of the game in that 2012 game, Mm -hmm. and um, let's see, I got into band in 2000. I was in Redcoats in 2006, and there's a guy. Who he's the assistant director of bands at UGA. He's a great guy. I think he was there starting my junior year, senior year, maybe fourth year. I don't know. But anyway, um, in all the times that I was with him, when I was in the band, when he was there in undergrad, and then in the three years that since then that I've been um, a that I've been on staff, I you know he's a very like stoic guy. Yeah, um, and I think that's the only time I've seen him like jump up and down, hug people. <laughs> get excited was when we beat florida in 2012 that's like the level i think of of just like hatred and vitriol and just meanness that comes out of this game all right so let's so before we get to like you know you you can come to this podcast for a lot of things but i think at the end of the day you're coming to it for numbers so let's get to know the real nitty-gritty yeah i mean you know what we're gonna do is we're just gonna put our hands on this really gross monster that doesn't move a lot or move the ball a lot (laughs) called the florida gators football team in 2017 Mm -hmm. so that you don't have to um, we're going to just put on our hazmat suits and get our ghost traps and just drive in here. So, S&P Plus, Florida. Um, 59. 59 overall, 81st in, in offense, 38th in defense, 113th points per game in offense, uh, 34th points per game in defense. Um, let's see, their highest win probability is six losses, which feels really good. But you know what would feel real, real good would just be that seventh loss. Just I'd be okay that. with that. Just get them to five and seven. Wouldn't that feel? Oh God, wouldn't it feel good? Just to send them like hundred and fifty white shirts to their football complex that just say, "Hey, here's your bull shirts, homies." Which is true. Like, there's a really good chance they could take a seventh loss because you got Missouri coming up after Georgia, and it, was, it is a coin not flip a good, game. Not a good team, but neither is Florida, and also that team will throw all over you. Yeah, all over you. All right, so um, let's not get too off track. So um, five factors. Efficiency. on This is on offense. 78th in efficiency. 102nd in explosiveness. 123rd in field position. 26th in finishing drives. Um, 94th in turnover luck. They're only losing 0.68 points per game, however, in that category. 21st most efficient defense in the nation. 119th in explosiveness. That's not great. 84th <laughs> in field position and 17th in finishing drives. So they, they're an efficient um, defense that keeps you out of the end zone. They'll bend but not break. They'll give up some long plays, but they're not going to break. Um, offensively, they just aren't doing a lot. If they get inside the 40, they're scoring points, but they're not getting inside the 40 all that much. This is a team, I would say, like, from the highest level, this is just a mediocre team. Yeah, the, the most, like, the most basic definition of mediocre, really. Yeah. What are we, what are we, anything you're seeing as you roll down, you want to break into? I'm trying to look at what they're good at. But really what, what they're good at is just, like, what they're average at. There are a few things here and there that they're all right at. They're good at standard downs on offense, and they're good at standard downs on defense. And that's really the biggest thing. Pretty like good at power success rate defense. Yeah. Um, and they have some some decent defensive line. Um, their defensive line's big. They're an SEC defensive line. Yeah. You know, that's that's pretty much what you're going to see. 32nd standard downs, S&P Plus, like you were saying. Um, quarter, S&P Plus uh, situational stats. 47th quarter one, 41st, this is offense. Quarter two, 80th, quarter three, 90th, quarter four. So that kind of speaks to either a lack of depth offensively or poor game planning or, you know, adjusting to adjustments. Yeah, this is a team that has, it's a a 1D team. They have one thing they do, and it's defense. And then... Here's what's really crazy. 
What's that? Ninety first quarter first quarter. So this is S and P plus defense um, by quarter. Quarter yeah. one ninety first. Quarter two tenth. Mm-hmm. So they're making adjustments, I guess. Quarter three one hundred and eleventh. Quarter four eightieth. Yeah, it's a team that that teams are adjusting to well. Yeah, and they're not is. that deep. I, no. I I don't think they're that deep. If they're if if those are if they're second half like in the second half, this is a bottom thirty team. Yeah, you know that's not good. No. Um, and it looks like I mean ninety first S and P plus defense in the first quarter. That what to me that sounds like is that you can get them on a scripted drive. If you come out with a good plan, you can get them moving in the wrong direction. Um, and that shows because I think one of their best players, um, Chauncey Gardner, I saw today, has the highest rate of missed tackles in the league. Ooh. Um, yeah, that feels good, right? That does feel really good. Yeah, Chauncey Gardner Jr., he's a defensive back. Just put old Javon Wims out there on him. In terms of their offensive and defensive footprints, um, they're going to run a lot on standard downs. They're not going to pass. Or they're going to pass a lot on pass downs. Pretty predictable in that sense. Adjusted pace, 118th. That's not that great. <laughs> they're pretty slow. So is Georgia, so that does not necessarily tell you that much percentage of total so, um, solo tackles seems like they gang tackle pretty good uh, 123rd in the nathan six or in the nation in the nathan <laughs> now nah, they're they're last in the nathan um <laughs> 24th overall uh smp or smp plus per special teams looks like they are decent at field goal kicking and pretty good at kickoffs and just average or bad at punt returns and punts they've been having a whole lot of issues i know on the offensive side of the ball with their quarterback as they have for the last what Six years. Yeah, pretty They've much. They've had that kind of. Yeah, they, they had, had Will like, Greer for that one year. But. Yeah, Will Greer, Jeff Driscoll, and then a bunch of quarterbacks that I can't even tell you who, who they were, yeah. um, because they just kind of kept going in and out. They started with Luke Del Rio this year. They now have Felipe Franks, who is, he's got the right tools. He's a freshman, is the problem, mm-hmm. and he plays for Florida, and so it's well, just. Well, I mean, he's, he's a soft. He's a redshirt freshman. Yeah, but I mean, he's just raw, and yeah, know, he, he needs. He help. has. He has one of the. He's one of those guys that has like a. He has a rocket arm, but he'll throw it to the other team. Yeah, and he's only sitting at four touchdowns, three interceptions, and he started what the last three games. I feel. Yeah. And so it's just it's not working out for for old Felipe Franks right now. What else is going on with this team? There's just not a lot to like, even looking at it objectively. Yeah, I mean, you know, so if we look at their. Um trying to find something good about this team like if you wanted to see something good here or something that you should be worried about you know defensively i think you kind of have to go on the defensive side if you want to see anything that really scares you this looks like a defense that will they they're pretty good at keeping you out of the end zone keeping you from scoring points and you know they have in terms of passing smp plus they're 49th passing success rate 40th it's like pretty average like they'll keep you off the chains when you're trying to pass mm-hmm. um adjusted sack rate 52nd means they'll sack you know they'll sack the passer if you get it if they get you in passing downs my hope my takeaway for this game is that this is a team that will beat uga if they screw around this is a team that hates uga that thinks they can beat uga however bad of a year that they've had um, there were two Florida players at, SC, at media days, not SEC media days, but the media day for this game that were just kind of like already talking smack. And, you know, this is a team that has lost to Florida game, Florida teams when they shouldn't. I mean, they have a good enough defense that if you screw around execution, they're going to get turnovers off of you. They have a very bad offense, but if you put them in enough short fields, they're going to score. Um, so I, th- my kind of takeaway is that this is a team that's good enough to beat Georgia if they don't take it seriously. What makes me feel better about that is that today, apparently, Kirby Snart uh, at a team meeting today asked everyone in the room in on the team to stand up if they'd beaten Florida, and nobody stood up. Yep. I think this is a team that knows what it's in for with Florida. Jeb Blazevich said, and this is a quote, um, 
it was sobering. With so much praise going on on the outside, it's like, guys, this is where we're at. Nobody has beaten these guys. So I think Georgia this year knows that they have to take Florida seriously or they're going to beat them. Yeah. And, and, you know, I hate the whole throughout the record books thing. This is a team. This is a game that, you know, S&P Plus predicts that Georgia should win by 17 points. But Florida psychologically does think they can win this game. My whole thing is if you come and play your game as UGA, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. On paper, Georgia does things very well that that Florida does poorly. Right. Passing ISO PP plus defensively, 106th in the nation. Who happens to have a very explosive pass offense? Oh, UGA. UGA what about does. that? Yeah. So I mean, this is a team, for instance, just by way of comparison, that's currently ranked 59th in the nation S and P plus. Appalachian State, 31 to 10, 43rd in the nation. Mississippi State, 31 to 3, 19th in the nation. So this is a team that you know, and it's it, and it's a, it's risky to use the transit of property, but this is a team that UGA has beaten teams that are that are this good very mm-hmm. very like very soundly. So, but I just think that they're good enough on defense that you know, if we turn the ball over, if we see too much of Jake Fromm, freshman Jake Fromm, uh, it's going to be a problem. And I just want to kind of drive home what you were just saying a moment ago about the narrative in this game really matters when you can look at the the paper and you can kind of see like there's no reason this Georgia team should lose to this Florida team. That's correct. That's true. That's a stats based hypothesis. Absolutely, Georgia should not lose to this team. But these are human beings we're still talking about. There's margin for error. There is as much a mental game in this rivalry as there is a physical game. This stat specifically kind of drives that home in the last 30 years. Like you can look at the series uh, history we told a second ago. It was, what, 50 to 43? Yeah, 50 to 43, Georgia leads that overall. But mm-hmm. in the last 30 years, Florida has won 21 times. Mm-hmm. Since I've been alive, Florida has won 21 times. That's hurtful. Um, yeah, it's it sucks. That's awful. There's some people that are have been alive now, and then they you know that the their life series for Georgia Florida is uh, it's very lopsided. The years where we we just kind of snuck through were 07 when we should have probably uh, ran the gambit, 04 and 97, and then the years that we we won and we were supposed to win 11, 12, 13 of 2000. But other than that, like the rest of these these wins we've had. We really haven't been dominant since like the Vince Dooley days. If you really look at you know pen and paper right here, well let let's use this let's use this moment to fold into our subjective take. I think I think you're going to see Florida Georgia knows, Florida knows how to beat Georgia. You're already seeing that in this back yeah. talk. I think you're also seeing kind of a quiet like but Georgia should win kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think everyone who prognosticates for a living is a little bit hesitant to pick Georgia to win on some level just because they haven't in the past and mm-hmm. we've been on this road before. But yeah, you know I think. You're kind of just because this is such a story rivalry. People kind of tend to just trot out the same. They tend to trot out the same over and over again. The same. Um, the same argument. Yeah. So I mean, that's about how I feel. Um, let, let's talk about what we want to see. We always do. We're gonna. What we're gonna do here is we're gonna do um, what we would like to see this weekend. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do over unders, and then we're gonna do our predictions. So let's yeah. start with what we would want to see. What's one thing you want to see in this game? I want to see. I want to see Jake Fromm from the Missouri game and this Florida game. Okay. And I, I doubt that's what we're going to see. But, the, well, no, I, I, I don't doubt it, actually, because the rushing game, the rushing defense from this Florida team is a lot better than its passing defense. And what Missouri proved to us is that Jake Fromm is capable of adapting his game plan to what Kirby Smart needs him to do to win. Um, the Missouri defense was a better run defense than they were a passing defense, and we needed an explosive offense to win that game because Missouri just kept exploiting our weaknesses and kept putting points on the board. So we needed Jake Fromm to do what we needed to do to win. So put up 50 points on the board. And I want to see 
Uh, I want to see that Jake Fromm again, but I want to see it not out of necessity. I want to see it out of just because we want to beat the tar out. Of just him. yeah, just because we want to beat him. You know. Yeah. And I think that's that's perfectly within reason. Okay. I want to see 200 yards for Nick Chubb. Really? Yeah. I just yeah I, I really do. I because what I think that would mean to me is that we had gotten to the point where we were comfortably ahead and maybe the second quarter or maybe the early second half, and we just handed the ball off for nine, nine carries in a row to Nick Chubb for mm-hmm. a touchdown. I really want to see that kind of back-breaking drive, A, because I just love Nick Chubb, and B, because I think that's like that's kind of been the tone setter that we've missed. You know, even in past years, when we've had really good teams that have come out and just dominated people, I remember in 2012 when we just held the ball for 10 minutes against South Carolina until the game ended and it made Steve Spurrier quit. We've <laughs> done this in the past, but I've never seen us do that against... Um, against florida and i really really want to see it you got anything else um i know that i kind of put this out there last week that i want to see drew lock get sacked a bunch um i wanted to see three combined sacks from our our backs and we i think we saw zero in Mm -hmm. fact which is unfortunate is because we were playing kind of conservatively on the defense i think it's it was never a game we thought we were going to lose and so that's what we saw in the play calling but with this florida game might be a bit different because of the narrative felipe franks at this point in the season has 14 sacks which is, uh, it's, it's close, but nowhere near close to the 23 that we saw in Drew Locke. But I would definitely love to see um, that same stat again. I want to see three combined sacks uh, on Felipe Franks. I want to see, and here's my last one. This is a lot to ask. Yeah. So let me see. Single digit points for Florida. Ooh. I don't even want to shut out. I just want single digit points. One touchdown or three field goals at most. I don't think that's that crazy, though. No, is really the thing. Don't like, like, let's look at the last few opponents they've had. They played Texas A&M, LSU, Vanderbilt, and those games were um, two losses against Texas A&M, LSU, 17-19, 16-17, and then against Vanderbilt, uh, 38-24 win. And so, I don't think that that's that crazy to think about. Yeah, we're the fourth best S and P plus ranked team, and they're winning barely and losing barely against 60 29th 89th ranked uh s&p plus ranked teams yep. and so i don't think it's that crazy to think that we can keep this team uh single digit um uh, yeah i mean i think i think you're right i think it's possible that we i think that this is going to be like your early christmas present nathan <sighs> i think georgia sure. wants you to be I just, I just i want you i want to tell you guys if we win this game and i'm and i'll tell you my prediction in a while but if we win this game don't get too like don't get too excited about having like a uh, um, observations broken down by play or like a stats report on monday because i might just be dead <laughs> like i'm not even saying that I'll transcended go, yeah i won't do anything stupid like i'm not gonna like i'm not planning on partying or anything but like if we win i just might like like i might literally like rapture out of here that might be it you just might find my clothes like pulled on the floor so you got any over-unders for me i got i got one um, I already threw out one. It was the the combined three sacks. Okay. Um, I want that to happen. Um, what do you think over or under on that? I think it's probably under, but I want it to happen. I think yeah, that we're I would too say conservative because I, I just I don't think we've been very aggressive. I don't. And think we so haven't either. had a very consistent pass rush this year. That's one of the few things we haven't done well. And especially with Auburn right on the horizon, we're not going to yeah. throw our, our backs in there to get hurt. Yeah. I'm gonna say over under one and a half interceptions for Jake Fromm. One and a half interceptions. Um, I'm gonna say under right at one. I think he's going to pull one interception. Yeah, I think under two. I think they've got a pretty good defensive backfield, and he might just make a stupid mistake, and I'm just hoping that it's not one that just comes back to bite us. The other, only other one I wanted to say was, and this one, this is the one that really gives me, like, the tinglies. Over <laughs> under three and a half line yards per carry for UGA. That's a little bit above our average. Yeah, so it you're is. You're saying, like, I'm saying, like, are we going to have a really good game? Yeah, I think that's over. 
Ooh, I think it's spicy. right around four. I, I want to say like four and some change, really. Spicy, spicy meatball. Very spicy. I think um, it's real good though. There's a good chance because looking at like, for instance, let's look at adjusted line yards for Florida. They're they're 29th, which what is their average adjusted line yards for defensively? Do they have the wrong 115? Number? Yeah, I mean maybe. I, I don't know. It's I doable. Mean, yeah, I think so. All right, so you ready for predictions? I have one more. You got one more. You ready one for this? Over-under? You yeah. ready for this? Yeah. Uh, I've I I actually think we're gonna have. So what's your over under? Over under three now two forced fumbles on Florida. F- uh, Florida fumbles. Yes, Florida forced fumbles. Like we are forcing fumbles on Florida. I'll say push. I think we might get exactly two. This you is think the so? That cough is that they've been coughing up some fumbles. They have been, recently. yeah. And I think that's that's a very conservative over under, and it seems like in our in our past few over and unders we've kind of gone bigger or or much smaller, and so it's a yeah it's a more wow factor when it finally happens. But yeah, looking on the the actual fumbles that this team has had offensively, yeah, looking at like the rushing team, they've lost a combined four, five, six, seven, eight, nine fumbles this year so far on eight or seven games for Florida because they they missed a game, right? Six games for Florida, geez, six games for Florida, they've had nine fumbles. And so I don't think it's that crazy to think that we can have two forced fumbles from our linebackers. But yeah. with our full defensive lineback, maybe they won't even be getting past the defensive line, honestly. So we'll see what happens. Cool. Push. Push. All right. So let's talk about predictions. And then we'll do some iTunes reviews. And then we will get you out of here. Um, and maybe I'll rant spontaneously. There's a good again. chance. Over under. <laughs> uh, over under one and take the over. Um, just just hit, just bang the over there. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? You go first. Okay, I've been pretty conservative this year. I'm going to say 28-7. 28-7. Comfortable 28-7. Comfortable how? Like, I think we'll get up 14 in the first half, and, we'll never, and it won't be close. I think it'll be 21-7 at half, and then I think that we'll just kind of play with our food in the second <laughs> half and run it up the gut 100 times, and maybe we'll get, you know, you'll see Elijah Holdyfield get a bust-along run against their second um I think it's uh, second team, and I, I think it's going to be one of those games where that, that 21 points seems like a lot because they're just not going to be able to get anything done. Well, looking at Florida's schedule, yeah, 21 points does look like a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a big margin to beat. How many rushes do you think we'll have in this game? 35. How much do you want to see out of Nick Chubb? I mean, I'd like to see like 20 for 250, but I don't think we will. I think we'll see like, <laughs> I think we'll see like 10 for 100, and it'll uh-huh. still be awesome. Yeah, that's, that's pretty – that's very Nick Chubb-esque. Is. Well, it's very, it's very like this 2017 yeah. team-esque. I like it. My predictions have all been pretty big, and I haven't been that crazy. Yeah, uh, you've been you've been better at this than I have. I don't know how, but I, I kind of just... Hold on, can I... Can I I'm going to say 35-7. 35-7? Yeah, I think... I was, now, I just... I, I said that out loud, and then Did I, I talk thought, you out of it? <laughs> no, no. I just think... I'm thinking about, like... I think I think we will get up big. I think we'll get up two touchdowns in the first half, and then um, I just think our second team offense is pretty good. I'm just giving them a second touchdown. Well, it's kind of funny because I actually I agreed with your your previous uh, prediction that I think we'll be we'll be like fourteen and three I think going into the half, and that's kind of what we'll see um, going in. And then we adjust very well as we've seen. I think we're gonna keep. I don't think we're gonna they're gonna hit the end zone. I think they might make one or two field goals, but I don't think they're ever gonna see the end zone on Saturday, which I'm very excited about um, in my my mind's eye of this Florida Georgia game. At this point, the projected margin is fourteen by Vegas, but Bill Connolly's saying seventeen point eight. Which I really like, um, but I'm I'm gonna think a weird one. I'm thinking twenty eight six. Okay, twenty eight six. I'll take that. And you're I gonna, like that. You're, you're gonna make a fool out of me when you like nail this. 
<laughs> Whatever. You know what? I would I would walk away with twenty eight six and just be so happy. Twenty eight six feels good. I mean, do I want like sixty nine to nothing? Yeah. But... Oh, absolutely. You know the biggest uh, the biggest win in Georgia Florida history was by Georgia for it was what seventy five zero. Let's just repeat history. Okay. <laughs> so, you want to read some uh, iTunes reviews? Yeah, we got a few reviews here. So, um, we've got three new ones. The first one is from UGA Dog Chaser. The title of that is The Best. And he simply says, or she, um, this is a great podcast, a must for every dog fan. Thank you, UGA Dog Chaser. Yeah, you're the bomb. You're the best. And you're a great pod cast listener i guess you're a must for every dog fan you're you're a strong right arm (laughs) next one is by stage manager for life and i think this is actually i kind of i i looked into who this was and it's um somebody who has been very yeah she's a she is a very very consistent she's an avid chapel bell curve listener and i feel like she's probably listened from the beginning and if she didn't listen from the beginning she has actually probably gone back and listened to them all and if you haven't no pressure you don't have to but, but we appreciate you're not, as you. good a, not quite as good a fan as her. No. Her name is her name Abby. <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna give full names, but I'm pretty sure that's her her first name. Yes. Yeah, you're the bomb. So she says, "Great UGA podcast with a fresh approach." Is the title five stars? This is a great podcast. As someone who isn't really a stats-driven football fan, they break down the stats that make sense to us who are not stat geeks. They give us a fresh perspective with how the feel of the stadium is from the Redcoat seating area, and are very sweet guys to follow on Twitter, Instagram, and listen to. I even enjoy their little podcast. She quotes war with uh, waiting since last Saturday podcast. Oh, come on. You can't read irony if you think it's war. There's a real war right there. Um, We're coming for you. They are a really fun podcast that I look forward to listening. Um, And then I... ah, Crud. I think it said listening to every week. I actually did not click show more. And she wrote a bit more. um, And now I have it copied and pasted to just say show more. (laughs) So I apologize. But um, I'm pretty sure that's what the rest of that said. So we appreciate your uh, your time writing that review. Thank you. And the very last one we have, Basin Dog or Bassin Dog? Bassin I think it's dog. a bass fishing dog. Um, yeah, Bassin Dog. Also a very, very avid Twitter follower. <clears throat> very cool. Um, the title is Enjoy the Cerebral Yet Fanatical Approach to a UGA Podcast. And the body of this. That's a very good, that's a very good word. I think that's really good. Yeah. This has been a pretty fanatical episode to be fair to, um, as we all probably knew that was going to be. Uh, I listen to about every UGA football-related podcast I can get my ears on, and I have definitely enjoyed adding the Chapel Bell Curve to my subscriptions. Really enjoy the deep-dive, statistical-based approach to their game previews and prognostications. That's one of my favorite words, also. Mm-hmm. Also enjoy some behind-the-scenes perspective on the Redcoats band. Red- oh, here's one. And this is this is Bassin Dog. <clears throat> I'm not calling you out. This is just for everybody. It is actually Redcoat Band. 100%. It's only one. Red- it's only red coats when you're talking about the individuals collectively in the band. The Redcoats as a um, group of individual people, like somebody versus someone. It is the Redcoat band when you're talking about it properly, though. Nathan just wanted to share a little bit of... Look, get the style guide Drop right. a little knowledge get, for get everybody. The, get the style guide right. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> hey, also, if anybody has specific questions about the Redcoats, go ahead and hit me up. Oh, you know what? Are you done with reads? You got any more? Uh, I was going to read the last little bit of his. I was waiting to find it again. Bassin. He said, yeah, Bass and Dog. Also enjoys the behind-the-scenes perspective on the Redcoat band. I highly recommend CBC to any Georgia fan that leaned in to serious UGA coverage. Go dogs! Yeah, so I th- thank you. And we are going to try to give you that behind-the-scenes uh, coverage. And also, like, I really like that leaned-in reference. Nice. Yeah. I, I've got one more. I got an email. And this is not a, a review, but it is kind of a little tidbit and a question that I want to answer. So Kyle, who is um, a former Sousa and a great guy, had a question and his question was 
he had two questions and he answered one of them himself. So, does ISOPPP see the following plays, pass plays, the same or different? Jake Fromm throws a pass that travels 50 yards in the air to McCole Hardman, then McCole is tackled immediately for a 50-yard game. Jake Fromm throws a pass that travels five yards in the air to McCole Hardman, then McCole runs for 45 more for a 50-yard game. The answer is actually no. Um, ISOPPP plus is a measure of points per play. So it is how likely on any, how many points are you getting on every play that you run? So basically it just is, it adjusts for median average length of play. So like it, it shows you what explosiveness does. It, it's not so much like just long plays down the field. It's like, it shows you when a team is getting five yards a chunk and moving the ball at will. And when they have six yards, six plays for one yard and then an 80 yard play. So it doesn't really care about what's on air and what's not, or what's in the air and what's on the ground specifically now there are different stats for that like you know um yards per attempt yards per completion yards through the air that will kind of suss that out a little better and then we actually had a second one which was from bassin dog himself actually bassin dog um, himself he says first of all i enjoy the cbc podcast very much and i subscribe to the podcast and listen to every episode question on an upcoming show can you guys dive into the numbers of uga's five running backs especially harryan and holyfield it seems that harryan is getting more carries than holyfield but doesn't have as many yards per carry I would like to hear your thoughts. Thank you, and go dogs and beat Florida at Bass and Dog. While you said that, I actually pulled up their stats. Yeah. So, um, if we, let's just break. What's their? Give me their just like standard. Um, their non-advanced stat profiles for for Brian Harrion and Holyfield. Yeah, Brian Harrion has forty-five rushes, and that's good for one hundred fifty-six yards, one touchdown. Yards per carry is three point five. Yeah, so Elijah Holyfield has 28 rushes, 178 yards, one touchdown, and 6.4 yards per carry. Um, obviously a lot better. I think one of the the opportunity rate is also pretty stark. 50% for Elijah Holyfield, 47%. Well, it's not that stark. 47% for um, Harrion. Uh, and then if we get highlight yards per opportunity, one point. This is the big difference. Actually, go back real quick. The opportunity rate for Brian Harrion is 35 and a half. Oh, yeah, and I was reading Sonny Michelle's. Sorry. Yeah. And Holyfield's exactly 50%. Yeah, so that's a big difference in terms of like how often do they get more than five yards. And then highlight yards per opportunity is if they have a carry more than five yards, how much past five yards do they go? Uh, that's 4.4 for um, Elijah Holyfield and 1.6 for Brian Herring. So I would say, yes, you are right, Bass and Dog, in the sense that um, fewer carries for Elijah Holyfield this year, but has been more successful. And I actually have a theory about that. Um, I think my theory is that Harryan came on last year and was really well prepared, and Holyfield had a really bad ankle injury at the beginning of year one. I think because playing time has been so limited, it has magnified the effect of that injury, mm-hmm. which is to say that since they're only going to split, well, this puts it on pace to split like 200, 200 snaps on the year, mm-hmm. that, you know, what that injury and how far behind one is the the other in terms of the playbook and in terms of just like you know how well prepared they are to block and to run routes and all that is going to really be magnified and i think harryan was one of these guys that um he was lightly recruited out of high school because he didn't make test grades but that his you know his skill profile was that he was very mature for his age in terms of his football skills Mm -hmm. and so i think that elijah holyfield is probably the more talented back and that we're going to see him get more and more carries and that that imbalance and carries going forward is actually going to kind of even itself out i I definitely agree with all that so so yeah there's my there's my my opinion on that matter um uh, i think is that all our listener questions i have one more question actually that came through the form of text oh really (laughs) yeah i have uh my good friend ryan whom i am the uh best man in his wedding next year he asked us a question through text. He just wanted to ask real quick. And he texted me last Thursday and said, can I propose a question for next podcast? And I said, yes. 
So his question is as follows. So I was listening to you guys talk about Florida, and you said that they ranked 8th in defensive line Havoc rate and how we actually don't rank that high in Havoc plays. So I'm wondering, how much of a team's Havoc rate depends on play calling? We don't blitz all that much as far as I can tell, but if we decided to throw caution to the wind and go for the sack 100% of the time, would we all of a sudden be an elite Havoc team? And I did answer his question um, right then and there, but I want to hear your take on that. Yes, I do think we would be better at Havoc rate if we were more aggressive. I think we've been playing a lot of base D, and I think we've been in dime and nickel packages a lot, and we haven't been really... We brought some rushes, but we haven't brought a lot. And also, we've just been playing mobile quarterbacks where you're not just going to try to pin your ears back on these guys. So yes, I think you're right. However, a lot of Havoc rate does not necessarily come from sacks. It also comes from interceptions, passes defensed, pass breakups, um, tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. I My theory on Havoc rate right now for us, so if we're looking at our Havoc rate numbers just to catch everybody up overall have a rate 35th 101st dl 9th lb um eighth uh defensive back so actually pretty good but good for only 35th on the nation so havoc rate is one of those things that's like a zero sum game in the sense that like every havoc play that one player has is a havoc play that another player doesn't have and that i think is especially is especially uh, true on the defensive line you know we our defensive line has just been really good about getting engaging blockers keeping their heads up and making plays at the line of scrimmage as opposed to like like you said being more aggressive and kind of throwing caution to the wind and if you add on top of that that we've been missing Trenton Thompson for the last four games and then on top of that the fact that we probably have the best inside linebacking core in the nation if not the best at least like top three yeah I think that's the recipe for you know 35th is good but that's the recipe for just like an average um different on uh, an average havoc rate and actually ninth and eighth and lb and db those have actually come way up so at the beginning of the year when we last talked about havoc rate those were not as high at all is it what was your was that your answer uh it was kind of like that i simplified it a bit i kind of talked about play calling and the way we kind of the the reason why we don't blitz as much as we could and part of that reason is because i think as a defense what you want to do is you want to make your offense predictable there's so many options that an offense can do especially against all these teams with dual threat quarterbacks that we've played and so you kind of look through the stats and all these stats kind of lend to one another, which is really neat about football stats, especially the advanced ones. Our defensive line is really good at making holes that we want the offense to take advantage of, I feel. Um, and we can tell that that's true because we're looking at, for instance, Roquan Smith and J.R. Reed, their run stuff rates are so high. And so we're letting these players mm-hmm. get to those two players and we're stuffing the run then and there. And so the reason why we're not blitzing is because we, we effectively don't need to. We want to make the teams that we're playing a bit more predictable and let them through the line where we control it. Also, we are making a lot of plays at the line of scrimmage, but then again, our defensive line is making it right then and there and not necessarily tackling for loss, but letting them move the line a bit and still controlling the runs. Um, Our linebacker have a great and our defensive back have a great has gone up. It's nine and eight respectively. Our defensive line is now 101, which really isn't all that great, but when you look at the team, you wouldn't be able to tell that stat just from watching it. The eye test would give would say otherwise, is what I'm saying. But um, sure, if we blitzed all of the time, I think it'd be a bit different. But I don't think it'd be as different as we think. I don't know. It's it's hard to say about that. But I, I don't think it lends as much. I think it lends more to play calling than it does talent or yeah. necessarily blitzing all and, the and, time. And I and again, I just got to emphasize this is a zero sum situation. You yeah. can only we could not be unless we were just playing teams that were trash all the time we could not have the number one overall havoc rate no. in every category no because only only a finite number of per people can have a havoc play on any given play mm-hmm. right there's 11 guys on the field only one of them is going to have a havoc rate most two unless it's that one deandre baker uh forced fumble and interception <laughs> 
um, yeah, which both count true. for Havoc plays. Yeah. But yeah, so I hope that answered your question. I think I answered it a bit more eloquently through text because I had more time to think about it, but uh, I think that pretty much answered it. I think that it is intentional the way we're playing the game. Anything else to see us out, Nathan? Um, listen, hate forever, hate now. Florida Delagunda-esque, to paraphrase Cato uh, the Elder, who, who ended every speech. Um, he had in the Roman Forum for several years with the phrase Carthage must de- be destroyed. So Florida must be must be destroyed. Let's wipe that place off the face of the map. Without, I would note, injuring anyone or seriously changing their lives. I just literally want it to be removed from history and make all the people move and pay the relocation fees. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Chapel Bell Curve. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere you can subscribe to a podcast. You can get in touch with us on Facebook by searching Chapel Bell Curve, or you can email us at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com or on Twitter and Instagram, both at chapelbellcurve. Also, apparently you can text me your questions if you have my phone number somehow. If I haven't given it to you, then don't tell me how you got it. Also, go check out our new website, (laughs) chapelbellcurve.com. It'll be a hub for all of our new content, blog posts, episodes, Twitter feeds, and anything we find relevant throughout the week. You can see, I I guess it won't be as hate-filled now um, once we pass this Florida weekend for Nathan, but you might see a little bit of hate as we get further into the playoffs. Maybe he'll find hate for somebody else. I've got some thoughts about South Carolina and Auburn. Very good. I forget that we're playing South Carolina this late in the year. I know. It's going to be a minute. I Um, I really hope they have some suspended players. But anyway, carry on. They definitely will. Uh, If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a rating and a review. As you know now, we do read all of those on the air, and we'd love to read your rating and review on the air. Uh, And until then, I think Nathan will catch you in Jacksonville this weekend, and maybe I'll catch you in the Classic City. Uh, But, you know, until then, go Go dogs. dogs.